Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Support for the Study Smarter series and this message is brought to you by Med School Coach. You ever wonder why step one is so important? Later in this episode, we'll hear from Sahil Mehta, founder of Med School Coach, to hear his thoughts on why step one is so important. You can go to medschoolcoach.com ITB for a 10% discount on their tutoring services. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. In this episode of our Study Smarter series, we are finishing up our discussion between Stuart Bryant and Greg Rodden from the Med School Fizz podcast discussing cardiovascular physiology. If you like the Study Smarter series and what we are doing, please subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a rating and a review. You can get an ad-free version of the 2017 Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 while supporting the ITB podcast. Just go to our website, insidetheboards.com, and click on the Support the ITB Podcast button on the front page. Don't forget to share this with your friends or connect with us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, we are Inside the Boards, or you can follow and tweet at me at Boards Insider on Twitter. Thanks for listening and happy studying. All right, so we're here with another Med School Coach Minute with Sahil Mehta, who is the founder and CEO of Med School Coach, the premier medical education tutoring and admissions consulting company that has helped nearly 9,000 students get into and get through medical school. Sahil, why is step one so important for a medical student? Yeah, so I think there's a you know, there's a lot of reasons for step one to be super important, but the most is, I would say, residency placement. I mean, step one really determines residency placement in a huge way. If you look at how a program director evaluates individual applicants who are coming into their program or applying to their program, it's really hard for them to sort by things like letters of recommendation, 
Obviously, a lot of people have great letters of recommendation. It's even really difficult in medical school to sort by grades, right? Because obviously, medical schools don't have one standardized grading system. And so while there's a dean's letter, that's not a sortable function. Um, the only thing actually on ERAS, believe it or not, that's sortable is your USMLE score. And so it's really easy for a program director to hit the sort button by USMLE score and essentially work their way from top to bottom, realizing that the people with the highest score are obviously the ones that they're going to spend the most time on. Um, it's also really easy for them to simply filter by score. So if they have a thousand candidates, um, they need to filter those out relatively quickly. And the way they do that is through the, the step one scores. And so your step one score as a as a medical student really determines what specialty you can get into, as well as the competitiveness of the program or the desirability of the program that you're looking for, for a particular uh, specialty. So even if you're looking for, let's say, internal medicine, which overall may not be the most competitive specialty, if you're looking to go to Brigham and Women's or MGH or Hopkins or internal medicine, then you definitely need a really high step one score. Obviously, if you want to go into a thing like orthopedic surgery or plastic surgery, then step one score, no matter where you uh, are applying to, is, is extremely important. So, I mean, that's really the reason I say that step one is so important, because it allows residency program directors to determine who they're going to interview and who they're not going to interview. And it plays a really big role. And there's no other test, probably in any other specialty or sorry, in any other field that plays such an important role in sort of where you can practice or what you can practice in your future. Because really, you know, if you don't get a prerequisite step one score, orthopedic surgery, dermatology, plastic surgery, those things may be totally off the books for you as a medical student. And so what I always tell students is, listen, you want to maximize your score as much as possible in order to have all these options open two years from now when you actually go apply to residency. You're saying it's a necessary evil. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, test, I agree, definitely evil, particularly in the medical space. But, you know, uh, of all the tests that we take to get into and through medical school, uh, obviously the MCAT is hugely important in getting into medical school. But once you get into med school, you know, this is the most important test just in terms of numbers, right? I mean, step two, step three, um, much less important. Even your boards, I mean, those things are pass fail at the end of the day. Um, but step one, while it is pass fail, Obviously, the, the individual score that you achieve on that is just so important uh, because it really determines the, everything we talked about. And if you want help maximizing your step one score, head over to medschoolcoach.com slash ITB for a special offer from MedSchoolCoach. A 15-year-old boy comes to the clinic because of progressive worsening dyspnea upon exertion and chest pain for the past six months. He denies prior episodes of syncope, but describes moments when he feels lightheaded and weak, and these improve with rest. Physical exam shows a well-built young man in mild distress. The cardiac examination shows paradoxical splitting of the second heart sound, along with a four out of six systolic crescendo-decrescendo murmur best heard between the apex and the left sternal border upon auscultation. Which of the following will most likely decrease the intensity of the murmur heard upon physical examination? Is it A, diuretics, B, squatting, C, standing up, 
or D, the Valsalva maneuver? All right, walk me through this question. So we've got this 15-year-old boy with dyspnea who is well-built and in mild distress with a heart murmur. What are we thinking about? Uh, so basically anytime I see a young athletic kid with a heart problem in a board question, they've got hokum until I can convince myself that it's not hokum um, or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So walking through uh, some of the history, like you said, he's got progressively worsening dyspnea um, and even chest pain. And um, he's had some episodes of uh, syncope where he passes out um, and feeling lightheaded. Or, oh, I'm sorry, he doesn't have any episodes of syncope, but anyways, uh, he, he's had moments where he feels lightheaded. So he, he's got something, he's got something wrong with his heart. And then we listen to his heart and he's got this uh, systolic crescendo, decrescendo murmur uh, that is heard at the, uh, between the apex and, and the left sternal border on auscultation. So that, that pretty, that pretty clearly tells us that there's hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Uh, it's very, it's very unlikely in a young person like this, uh, that it would be aortic stenosis that's causing that, uh, systolic crescendo, decrescendo murmur. <laughs> um, and especially with significant enough pathology to cause, uh, lightheadedness. Uh, and weak and weakness in in such a young otherwise healthy kid um, so now so now the question is asking all right um, what can we do on physical exam that would decrease the intensity of the murmur um, so the first uh, the, the first option is diuretics so what they're getting at with diuretics is if we reduce uh, preload will that uh, decrease the intensity of the murmur. Well, with hokum, if you decrease the preload, uh, that will actually increase the intensity of the murmur. And um, we should probably explain what hokum is before trying to go <laughs> before trying <laughs> yeah, to go into yeah. all of this. Okay, all right. So hokum or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy uh, is a it's a block. It's kind of like a blockage of the left ventricular outflow tract. So it's, it's a blockage of the um, blood that is trying to get out of the left ventricle uh, just before the uh, aortic valve. And it's caused by this asymmetrical thickening of the interventricular septum um, that basically ex extends into the left ventricle just before the uh, aortic valve, uh, just before the aortic valve. So it's blocking the outflow tract. It's blocking the left ventricular outflow tract. That's what um, hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy is. And it's usually caused, um, for whatever reason, by a um, mutation in the beta-myosin heavy chain. Yeah, that's the most common one. I think that accounts for about a third of the... Uh... Uh, genetics associated with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but there are others uh, generally involving uh, structures of the sarcomere, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyways, uh, now now that we have that description of what hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is and the most common the most common genetic cause of it, 
uh, now we now we want to talk about uh, the the murmur associated with hypertrophic cardio, cardiomyopathy. So um, similar to aortic stenosis, hyper, the aortic uh, or the hypertrophic cardiomyopathy murmur is a systolic crescendo decrescendo murmur. Um, so that that is caused by a narrowing of the of the outflow tract of the left ventricle, um, and I'm not. You know, I, I'm honestly not 100 percent sure on what on a great explanation for why oh. it's specifically crescendo decrescendo. Sure. I don't know if you yeah. have if you if you're more familiar with that. Um, let's think about this like a uh, a balloon or something where you know as you're squeezing the heart during systole, that over it, it's essentially an overriding ventricular septum, right? And right. as you're squeezing that, this outgrowth of the septum is slowly closing over the outflow tract to the aorta. So as you're doing this and you're closing it more, you're causing the blood to be more turbulent going through that tract. And that's causing this increase in the sound associated with the murmur, right? right. Similarly, as it's relaxing, the septum is moving away and there's less turbulence going through to the aortic arch and there's going to be less of a murmur, right? Kind of right. makes sense there. Yeah, I kind of think about these things like a, <laughs> like a plumber. You know, uh, if you're going to increase the amount of fluid, then it's going to make it harder for that septum to override and cause that murmur and if you decrease the fluid there's going to be it's going to be easier for that septum to override and cause that murmur so absolutely yeah what's that saying is when you have uh things that increase your preload you're going to decrease your murmur and things that decrease your preload are going to increase the murmur which is opposite exactly. of most murmurs. Yeah, exactly. So with with most murmurs, um, as more blood is moving moving across the abnormal valve or or whatever is causing the murmur, you'll have a louder murmur. But with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, by increasing the preload, you're pushing that blockage of the left ventricular outflow tract away from. Uh, or, or you're you're pushing you're pushing that uh, basically out of the way, and you're actually opening up the left ventricular outflow tract, reducing the murmur. Right, and so so like you said, anything that um, anything that reduces preload will cause more outflow tract obstruction, and that will increase the murmur. Right. While ever, anything that increases preload will do the opposite. It will reduce the murmur, reduce symptoms. Um, so, like you said, um, well, now, so going through uh, the answer choices, things like diuretics, like furosemide or HCTZ, which are very common diuretics. Uh, furosemide is a loop diuretic. Uh, it's also known as Lasix. And uh, HCTZ is a thiazide diuretic. Uh, so by reduce, by basically getting fluid out of the body, you're reducing preload and by reducing preload, you increase the intensity of the murmur, so that one is wrong. Um, so the next one 
uh, why don't we go to C? So C was saying uh, standing up. So by standing up, um, you bit you end up reducing preload, um, and because you have blood basically pooling pooling in the legs, um, and that will reduce preload and that will increase the intensity of the murmur. Uh, Valsalva val by by doing the Valsalva maneuver, you also you increase the intra you increase the intrathoracic pressure. By increasing the intrathoracic pressure, you end up reducing preload. You end up reducing the amount of blood coming back to the heart, and that ends up um, increasing the intensity of the murmur. And then finally, by squatting. Um, so squatting will it will increase the amount of blood flowing back to the heart because you're you're basically squeezing the veins in the legs, and so that will increase the venous return to the heart, and that uh, increased venous return to the heart is can also be uh, described as increased preload. Uh, increased preload, uh, as we've already said, with uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy will reduce the intensity of the murmur because you're moving that left ventricular outflow tract obstruction away from the away from the left ventricular outflow tract and, and you're, you're opening up that space yeah, um, and thus reducing the intensity. Uh, of the that is an excellent explanation. And I, I actually, I, I really like this question because if you have a basic understanding of what increases or decreases preload, uh, you know how to get to the answer, even if you're not sure, you know, I may look at this and be like, well, what does squatting do? to preload and afterload and uh you know what it it doesn't really actually matter here because i can say that if if i know that diuretics are decreasing preload and i know that standing up is decreasing preload and if i know that doing the valsalva maneuver is decreasing preload well that only leaves the one option for me right yeah that too yeah as like a process of elimination type approach absolutely yeah and you you can do this for really any question that's asking uh, about a situation where there's only two options and they have to include, you know, they're trying to get four or five answer choices in there uh, and, and they're putting a lot of the same type of thing if you can identify that that's what they're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, an example that I recently was dealing with were questions about uh hypertriglyceridemias versus hypercholesterolemias and physical exam findings. And, you know, if you know the physical exam findings of one, then the other one is the other one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so if you know that diuretics are decreasing preload, standing up is decreasing preload, Valsalva maneuver is decreasing preload. Well, the only option you're left with is the other one that's not going to be decreasing preload. They all can't be right, yeah. so they're all wrong. Golyon's Golyon's axiom. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and that that really applies. Yeah, totally. Um, also, one one other thing, and I, I honestly just wanted to get your get your thoughts on this. Um, one of our uh, professors, when asked about this this very question of like why why in the world does uh does squatting 
reduce the uh, intensity of the murmur with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. He so he did mention the um, increasing preload, uh, but then he also mentioned that you're also increasing afterload. So by by increasing the uh, by clamping down basically on the vessels in the legs, on the artery, on the arteries in the legs, you're increasing afterload. Um, and by increasing afterload, you're also opening up the, the left ventricular cavity. And by opening up the left ventricular cavity, you open up that space and that pushes the outflow tract obstruction closer towards the septum, opening up the, the outflow tract. I'm not 100% sure whether that was how legitimate of an explanation that was. Um, and so I wanted to, get your, wanted to get your thoughts on it. I think that that's true. I have heard the same thing that by you know clamping down when you're going into the squatting position, you're essentially cutting off circulation at the uh, femoral artery, or mm-hmm. or you're making it a- and you're increasing the uh, vascular resistance. At that point, you're going to be increasing the afterload, and, and that would essentially make it a smaller gradient between the uh, uh, what is this? It's the left ventricular outflow gradient. Do you know what I'm talking right, about? Right, yeah. So between the left ventricle and the aorta. I guess by decre- by decreasing the pressure gradient, you would decrease the amount of turbulence and therefore reduce the murmur, I guess. That's why these things are so complicated. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it kind of It just kind of depends on depends on how you look at them. But, okay. Well... Oh, I see. Okay. Well, hold on. I have this explanation now. Sorry. It took me a minute to kind of click here. So by increasing vascular resistance, you are increasing the afterload. So the amount of fluid that's now going to... Your your stroke volume now is essentially going to go down, right? Right. Through the outflow tract. By having that less amount of fluid being pumped out for that beat of the heart that that's going to decrease the murmur momentarily right oh, okay. okay uh so it's going to be less is out less is going out uh so there's like a lower ejection fraction and that would decrease the murmur now okay. yeah. yeah yeah now if that's going to so the other thing i'll mention <laughs> pivoting a little bit here is uh like the hand grip, have you heard of that like technique also? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. To increase afterload. Whether or not these this actually works, <laughs> uh, aside, uh, you know, it's another thing that's going to be increasing peripheral vascular resistance, um, theoretically. So yeah. because that's not in here, uh, another reason that squatting works, right? If you had squatting and the hand grip those both couldn't be the answer. Yeah. And then as a, so when, when I was trying to understand this stuff in, uh, in my first year of med school, my study group and I were almost like about to give up on it. And we were like, we just need to come up with a mnemonic and just get through this test. Cause this is getting ridiculous. Uh, and so we, we came up, we ended up coming up with the mnemonic of athletes like to squat. Um, uh, so, by 
reducing the murmur and reducing the the intensity of their symptoms they they like to do this so they athletes like to squat and it's usually the young athlete who has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy at least in a board style question so huh. if uh if nothing else works athletes like to squat they don't like to valsalva um, uh, awesome i don't know if that if that will be if that will be helpful for for anyone um in a pinch no that makes sense and yeah I can totally see myself like going for a run and then being like lightheaded and squatting down and you know, that's what happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that works perfectly. All right. So we hit a few of those. I think that was pretty good. Don't you? Yeah. 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 That was, uh, that was fun, man. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And we will end it there. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Ra Reynolds and Enter Shikari for letting us use the track Anesthetist off the 2015 album The Mind Sweep. We'll see you back next week for some more high-yield learning. <laughs>